As I walked on through Chatham Street, a fair maid I did meet. She asked me to see her home, she looked and blinked straight to me away. Santi, my dear Annie, oh, you New York girls, can you dance the polka? The Long Haul Podcast, America's Irish Voice. Interviews with inspiring immigrants, renowned Irish personalities, and discussions on all things Irish America. Presented by Michael Dorgan and Johnny Kennedy. In this week's podcast, we take a look at how the coronavirus is affecting people and businesses in New York City. We get the views of Paul O'Nan, who is the Director of Safety at construction company JT Megan, and All-Ireland winning Galway hurler Johnny Glynn, who works as a project manager with drywall company Topline Drywall. Johnny is a selector with the New York Senior Footballers this year, and he gives us an update on how the panel are coping with the shutdown. Johnny also reveals that he tested positive for coronavirus a few weeks ago and describes the symptoms and how he got through the illness. The Long Haul Pub and Grocery, where we usually record our podcasts, is closed, so we recorded this session on Zoom. And Johnny Kennedy also gives an insight into how the bar trade is dealing with the shutdown. But first, we take a quick look back on what was a controversial week following the launch of the Long Haul Podcast. We weren't to know that we hit the national headlines back over back over home in Ireland and on the Irish Examiner. Our first podcast with Pat O'Sullivan managed to make the back pages of the Irish Examiner, his thoughts on the development of GA here in New York. Um, that podcast is available on all our podcast streams. It's available on YouTube. And today, this is Friday, we're recording on Friday, the 3rd of April, Joan Henchy, the chairperson of the GA, is after responding on the Irish Examiner. Um, myself and Johnny are just not going to take a position on it uh, for the moment. We're just acting as a platform. If people listen to our opening podcast, we said that one of the goals for this podcast was to act as a platform for Irish Americans and for the GA here in New York, we wanted to get things out in the open. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be said. And that's what's after happening this week. And we just encourage people, if people would have any suggestions about people coming on the show or any comments they'd like to make, leave some comments underneath our Facebook page or Instagram or Twitter, and we'll get back to you. Uh, Johnny, have you anything to add on on that? No, it's clearly was a, thank God there was no sport in Ireland. That's the only reason that probably made the back page anyway. But, um... It's not a whole lot else to be talking about at home. So we picked a good time to launch a podcast. No, basically same as you. I think it's good that uh, people have their opinions and there's a lot of opinions on both sides towards New York and against. Bring them on. Let's like people, if they want to come on and talk about it or give us their opinions, that's fine. We'd love to hear what their solutions are or what they think the problem is. Personally, I know we don't take any sides on it, but like it's going on 30 odd years or more now. So it'd be nice to hear you get your own on or whoever, whoever wants to come on. That'd be it pretty much, but no. It's a good start. Interesting to hear what the lads say about construction. I know in the bar business how it's going for us. So we'll see what the we'll see what way the construction is going. I know Paul, a lot of his jobs and all they're all still going. So just want to yeah. see what the lads think of that. Why why are jobs still going in New York? So pretty much that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Just I just to finish off on the uh, the podcast this week with 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 uh, Pat O'Sullivan. Um, we have asked Joan Henchy to come on the podcast. I asked her the other night. And I've asked her again today, and at the moment she doesn't want to come on, which is fair enough. But we just want to put it out there that we're open to take all sides. And if Joan wants to come on, she's more than welcome to come on this podcast. As we said, we're a platform for people's views. And our goal at the start of this podcast was to get people talking with the common goal of improving Gaelic games here in New York. Because we are all we we all love the GA, we all love Gaelic games, and I think what everyone wants is to see the development going in the right direction here in uh, in New York. So uh, she's welcome to come on at any time and hopefully in the next couple of weeks we'll see her. If not, we'll get someone on that might want to talk uh, from the county board side. Um, and anyway, with that, John, we'll, Johnny, we'll just get back to you um, about the long haul. Give us a, so obviously everything is shut down here for the last two weeks with the the statewide shutdown. Um, how are you faring? You closed about two weeks ago now, is it? Just before you could start, um, you were the day before the government shutdown. You were planning on opening a new bar, the Westbury on uh, East Thirty Eighth Street. So, just give us yeah. uh, a rundown on your own situation. Yeah, but pretty much same as everyone on the Monday. We're more or less told to shut down, which yeah, obviously is a good thing. But uh, business wise, like everyone in the bar business and everyone in small business, it's just worrying now where the you know where the relief fund is coming from. Where is it coming? 
like a lot of these relief funds and stuff, you could do a whole podcast on these as well. But to be fair to the people that run them, they don't know what's they don't know what's you know what's what. Each day it's changing. They're offering you like loans to pay your wages and to pay your rent and to pay your bills, but. There's loads of little hurdles in that that I'm not really, I don't know enough about, but like they don't seem to be. But personally, like for me, it's just, you know, like everyone, I'm in lockdown like last couple of weeks. Staff are all doing good. The ones that have stayed, all of our staff thankfully have stayed. One of our staff flew home actually, and most of the staff has stayed. It'd be mainly the kitchen guys you'd be really worried about, wouldn't you? Like, because, you know, we all know a lot of their situations. I'm not just saying my kitchen guys, but in general, we all know their situations, you know. They're here, they have to stay. So, you know, financially, they're eating into savings and all. And that, that applies to a lot of immigrants, illegal immigrants in New York, whether they're, you know, waiting to get their papers or what they're doing. They're the people you'd worry about. Like, we can all, four of us can get on a plane and fly home and at least have family in some structure. And if we want, we can fly back. These people can't. Like, where they're going to go from there. So, as regards opening the new bar, we didn't get it open, which it kind of works out as a good thing now in a way. I didn't have a, I had a couple of staff members that did fly home, but they... They weren't here long and all, and, you know, they can still come back. But uh, I'm more worried about when is it going to get open again? Or my biggest fear is they'll open it too soon. Are they going to open the bars too soon? Are they going to, like, right now, if they open the bar next week, would any of us, would any of us run into a bar, like, realistically, if it was jam-packed or anything like that? So if we get open, say, next, let's just say it was middle of May, is the landlord going to want my rent off me within four weeks? Probably will, and he's right to ask for it. But I'm not going to have the customers there. When are the customers going to start coming back out? Where's the fear factor for people? I think for the bar business, it could be not to be dramatic about it, but until there's a vaccine and the people know that there's something there, then they will gladly go into packed bars and packed scenarios. And even for us as Irish, we're a bit like flippant about it. Ah, sure, no big deal. And even we've been good about it, like just proof of the way Ireland have reacted to it. So I, I'm more concerned of my landlord looking for rent straight away when we reopen than I am looking for his rent right now because he's not. And to be fair to both landlords, in my case, they've been both very good. They've frozen rents. They're willing to work with us. But they got to get something too. Like, you know, the government's got to do something for the landlord too. It can't be all take, take, take on the tenants. Like, he's going to lose out on that rent. Is he going to want it back off me over the next 15 years? Is that fair that I should pay it? You know, when I don't know where the customers are coming from. And that's pretty much everyone in the bar business at the moment. That's the where their fear is, I think. And then to try staff it. Like, where are you going to get the staff? So, like, you open a bar. We opened on, say, May 15, 2015. No problem. You had a bar tender who was pissed off in this bar. You had a waitress who wanted to come. We're all going to get open at the same day, you could say. Now we're all going to be scrambling for the same staff. Everyone's going to be looking for the same staff. You know, how is that going to work? So now are you under pressure as an owner when it gets closer? Do you start paying them? Do you start giving them money? You don't need like you're in a bidding war then like to try hang out the staff. And then with the amount that went home, there's going to be less and less. I've no problem with any nationality that works in a bar, the more the merrier. But I think the day of seeing, going in and seeing loads of Irish bartenders and Irish waitresses and all, that had been starting to decline a bit for a lot of other reasons. But I think that now is going to be few and far between. You're going to just hopefully get who you can to work, you know, and I've no problem with that, but I'm just saying that's going to be difficult then. You know, you're trying to integrate different people into the industry. And Johnny, have um, would many bar owners, would their rent be frozen now as well, like yours? Is, was, is that common um, across the board here? I think but frozen doesn't mean it's free either. You know, frozen is just something that the landlord is also playing the game that he doesn't know what's coming. So by freezing it, he's kind of just saying, like one of my landlords who said, like he was in, in the email, he was pretty specific about, he was saying it is just frozen. It's not free. So is he going to look for it down the road? It's a, mor- it's a moratorium, I think, Johnny, is the, the correct term, is it? So, but should I pay it? Like is his, is his, is his um, mortgage going to be extended at the end by three months? You know, but am I going to get my three months free then? Is that, you know, depending on how it works. And also, we're looking for money for a small business to bail out a small business. He equally is a small business. You know? So he needs a break too. I understand that. I think genuinely most landlords, any of my friends that I've been ch- chatting to, and there's a good few of them now with, with multiple bars, that some of the landlords just haven't really engaged, as in they're not giving them a definite answer. 
So obviously rent was due two days ago and lads didn't pay, landlords didn't kick up a fuss about it, but they're going to come looking for it someday. Yeah, I bar, people will walk away from bars. The only good real positive of it is if this had been six months ago and someone walked away from a bar, the four of us would nearly go in and say, come on, we'll go in and get it. Nobody's going to be running around trying to get a bar. It's just not going to happen. So it's of no interest of the landlord to put any of us out on the street. But if you have a good relationship with him, you would assume that that will continue or that will get you that little bit further. But if there was a bad relationship or if there was any bad, this could be an opportunity for one to get out from the other. I think realistically what will have to happen is you'll have to restructure leases. You can't go back in paying the lease you were paying on the rent that you wore based on what you were doing. I, I, I can't see how that works. Like if you were paying 25000 say, whatever it is, you, that market, it can't be the same now. It just can't. But then put yourself in the landlord's position. His bills are still the same. Nothing's changed for him. So he probably still needs that 25000 My honest opinion to anybody and my advice would be to any other bar owner, and it's not something I'm not ruling out would be, I would sit down with your landlord and maybe you and your landlord are going to have to become partners more so than, you know, tenant landlord. Bring your landlord in for a percentage. Then he can, you know, he can work with you. That, that, that to me would be one of the best options. That's something I'm definitely going to look at in one of the locations. You know, bringing them in as a te- as a partner. Are you hearing anything on the ground there, Johnny? About um, when things are going to start opening up again? No, like it's, it's all a guessing. It's it's, a, it's it's all a guessing game. You know, I you, you know you could speculate and everything, but let's be honest, lads. Until there's a vaccine, there's no there's no way of saying it's going to be up and running. Like bars and restaurants are going to be the first thing, the last thing to reopen, and and rightfully so. Like for 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 proper reason, I mean, rightfully so. I'm saying that as a a citizen here but as a bar owner that's a disaster for us we're the first to close and we'll be the last to reopen but i can see why they don't want a load of us congregating into into a bar and a lot of people jammed in together and then we're back to square one come november and then it comes back tenfold and where does that leave us but then how long do you last like if you're only here a couple of years financially you know i i, I feel for younger people that might be only here a year or two that were in the bar industry they've got to be looking now rent bills everything starts to add up and they're doing the maths in their head, seeing how long can they last for. And then they, they, they go home, stay home, they're with family. Ireland's doing such a great job on it. You're probably looking at it. And then the other way, does people want to see you coming back from New York? There wouldn't be, there won't be people too impressed with you arriving back from New York, probably at this stage. So I don't know how that whole thing's going to play out. Lads, just to get the two of you, was anyone surprised with the amount of Irish people that have decided to go home in the last couple of weeks? I was kind of um, a bit surprised with the amount of people going home because, like Johnny, you told me after nine eleven and after the last recession that that things were still good enough here in New York City. You know, like you you have a better opportunity here economically of getting a job probably here than you still do back at home. And there was a big rush of a lot of Irish people from New York went home. Was anyone surprised to to see that happening? Uh, I think the people that have went went home. Mightn't have been here that long, you know, from what I could see. Most people might have just come out in the last year or the last couple of months and they're uncertain about the future and they probably felt that they'd be, they might be better used at home with their parents or they want to just get home to a bit more stability, you know, yeah. because I guess nobody really knows where this is going to go or how long it's going to take to, to subside or whatever. So I wasn't too surprised. Um, and then people that have been here quite a while, I think they're, a lot of those people are kind of hunkering down and waiting to see what happens as well. Yeah. Paul, Paul, give us a, an insight into your own industry and uh, how things have fared out there in the last couple of weeks. Construction, yeah. So I guess was it, about two and a half, no, three weeks ago in New York State, I think they signed an executive order making construction essential. And I guess it left it quite, quite vague, you know. Um, up until, I guess, last Friday, I think it was April 27th, they had, um, it was still left vague until an executive order came out again and it defined what con- essential construction was um, and it was pretty much based on um, anything to do with healthcare, construction with healthcare or affordable housing or utilities and, and that made sense. So since last Friday um, most jobs have been shut down that aren't essential construction and this week I've seen nearly all of them shut down um, with the exception of hospitals and, and medical facilities. So for, I, didn't, I think they, they mentioned the date of something like April 23rd yeah, April 23rd was, was the date that they figured they're going to reopen, but I guess we have to wait and see with that day too, you know. And are you working from home now, or what's your 
Yeah, it's working from home, yeah. yeah. It's been quite busy from home, which is good. Um, but, you know, everyone has the computer, everyone has the, the ability to have meetings with um, WebEx or Skype or, you know, Google Meet, whatever it is. And it's quite, it's a change where people are getting used to it and they're, and they're still being quite productive, you know. And what are you, do, what are you doing with JT Megan? It's health and safety, Paul, is it? Health and safety, yeah. yeah. And how long do you think you'll be working at home? Like, how much work is there to work at home for a um, you see, we, what our thought is that when, when things do open up again, you have to be prepared that the virus could still be around, you know, and you have to factor that into everyday work and, and how to I suppose, best protect the workers as well. So that has to be a big part of the planning process in the next couple of weeks as well. And lo- lots of policies and procedures and, and manuals all have to be updated to kind of include this new part of construction, which, which is this coronavirus. And it will be around for a while, we think, and hopefully we're wrong, but we have to think like that. And to prepare for it, um, so we'll be, we'll be busy with that for the next Friday. Yeah, I was I covered one of those stories last week, last Friday, that um, there was a new order by uh, the mayor that he was shutting down all the construction sites because there was a few unions giving out about it that the uh, construction sites were still open and lads were saying it was impossible to socially distance when you're on a construction site, and I was a bit surprised that it was left open for a week when everything else was shut down. Yeah. So. There's two sides, but really, it's it's, well, it's obviously a health health concern. But then there's also people that might need the the money week to week or check to check, and and, and you know those people are also probably willing to work and happy to work despite being at risk, you know. So it's like there's two sides to it, really. But and is there a lot of Irish on the ground working there with you, Paul? That's yeah, there's a mix. Yeah, there's definitely a mix of Irish and, and Irish Americans, and then just a bunch of different Americans as well. But quite, quite a few Irish. Yeah. Have you seen many lads go home from from your line of work? Uh, some some people have. I guess they've probably gone home to see to wait it out, and then they'll probably they plan to come back again, you know. But again, there will be some of the younger people, um, and when it does when it does tide over, you know, you probably see them back again if they can. So. Yeah, I was doing a story last week, and uh, as some people who um, watched our. Um, opening podcast or introductory podcast um i work as a journalist here locally with the queen's post whatever we're newspaper but we're, we're online only we're a website and there's about um 2.3 million people in queens so we've been very busy the last couple of weeks now i work from home anyway so my situation hasn't really changed but i work from home but i would have gone to a couple of community board meetings you know and um they went to zoom but anyway just getting to back to the job so i'm actually like the six days a week now we're so busy with the because the news is just flying in with this virus and a hospital close to myself and johnny here in elmhurst they said it's the epicenter of the epicenter it's just the virus here is just spreading like wildfire and there's about there's a there's a neighborhood down from us uh, johnny kennedy i don't know do you know this corona it's called it's actually the worst neighborhood within the whole of new york city worst neighborhood for um people getting the virus which is it's kind of ironic, isn't it? It's, it's, it's called Corona, yeah. Ironically enough, it's called Corona. But getting back to your point at the start, Johnny, it's a lot of people, it, it, like Queens is the world's borough, and they reckon why it's, why it's so rampant here is that you have a lot of people, a lot of probably illegal immigrants, packed into these houses, packed into Absolutely. apartments. There could be a young child, there could be three generations in a house, and yeah. these are the guys who are working on the subways, they're working in the bars, they're meeting people, they've gone home and they're after spreading the virus. So that's that's one of the reasons why we think it's so bad here in Queens. But just to finish off, we'll go to you in a second, Johnny. But I was talking to my editor the other day and he, he reckons you could see a lot of, even though people have been flocking to online stuff the last couple of weeks, digital has never been so so popular. The advertising is drying up, so a lot of our advertisers are locally based, like restaurants, bars, and they're all pulling out. So it's going to be a tough time for the the news industry. I would think that a lot of news newspapers could, a lot of local newspapers could go under. And if you're digital and you have you don't have that much debt, you could be in a good place. But it's it's worrying times for um for our industry. But as I said, I'm gone busier. How long that will last now, I'm not sure. And uh, We've got the Johnny, our second Johnny, Johnny Glynn. Johnny, how how are things been for you the last couple of weeks? And just let us give us a background on uh, your own job. Right, so I'm project manager there for a drywall company, Topline Drywall. Luckily enough, like Paul, I'm able to do a lot of work from home, be it pricing, paperwork, catching up on a lot of stuff. But like that, as of last Friday, all our jobs shut down. So we've maybe 120 guys, 120 guys told last Friday, 
there's no work on Monday. Like so, again, it's an it's the unknown that's the worrying thing. Like if you were told, look at the thirtieth of April, you're all going to be back to work. Everything's going to be normal. Or you'd all see it out, but you just don't know. So it's the unknown that's worrying for the guys working on site. The guys that are only here maybe a year, six months. They could be out of work for a lot longer and. No, sure I know myself when I came here first sure like I was living week to week for a good few months and when that happens the wanting to go home or the chance to go home or looking to go home where it's safe it's probably the good way to go like if you can you know so I don't, it is true but like, you said it there Jonathan it's the lack of the no light at the end of the tunnel like yeah. if, regardless of what the date was if somebody said it to you was June at least you can plan. At least you can structure. You can look at your landlord. You can go and say, we do this, we do that. And I can see that as regards as you're saying, people, will they go? And as Paul said earlier, you find us, the people are only here a year. And if any of us were in the same boat, you would, it, would, it wouldn't be an option. You probably would have to consider doing it. The thing I don't understand as regards as we're going home is it's not like Ireland doesn't have it. Like It's not like yeah. you're going to go there. And if anything, are you not a burden to the people you're going to? Like you're going home, you have to quarantine for the two weeks. But like, especially if you're here a year, like if you're here a year, you have your apartment, you have your own thing, shut it down and at least give yourself the couple of months, whatever the rent is. The landlord will work with you. You can do something like that. I just jumping the gun and going straight away. I think for some people, you know, you're jumping onto an airplane of all things as well. Again, I'm not judging each one to their own and whatever makes your parents happy and you know keeps it happy. It just wouldn't have been for me now anyway. Yeah, I had, a, I had text messages all week from the parents, aunts, uncles. Would you, would, you, would, you, would you think about coming home? Would you think about coming home? And I we hadn't even crossed our mind about coming home. No, we, we're working, which is one thing. But the, the effort of going home, it just doesn't see, it didn't make sense for us because you're, you're after, well, we're only here about 18 months, but we're after kind of putting our foot down here. As you said, you've got your rent, you've got your rent contract and all that. And then going home, it seems you're going home and it could be back open in six months time so but as you said everyone to their own everyone's got a different situation and everyone's been affected differently from it so uh johnny um we believe that you you actually were hit with the coronavirus recently yeah so i was in contact with someone who obviously tested positive and then i had to go get tested and sure enough came back positive result and my fiance serena same she obviously either picked it up off me or vice versa but thankfully I had no bad case. I had one bad night, but other than that, like I came through fairly easy. Like, but then when you hear that, I've also heard a, a, a girl my age just down the road. She trouble trouble with breathing, developed pneumonia, and she's gone into hospital. So, so like, luckily, I'm I I I was very lucky. Serena, same thing. She was she was good. We got through it. We're through we're, we're through our quarantine now. Obviously, we're still quarantined. Like, there's no point going to shops or anything like that, just in case you give it to someone that doesn't need to get it but again like it was just a bad flu for me like and only for I knew I was in contact with someone that was positive I probably would have thought it was just a flu like it wasn't it didn't hit me in any any way different but then you're hearing the horror stories where it's hitting people really bad so that's where the that's the danger like the danger would be of me thinking I was sound and going off down to the local shop and giving it to someone who wouldn't be sound to get it you know so Johnny yeah. uh, describe the symptoms you uh so there was one night I woke up at two in the morning and I felt like someone was after getting a sledge and hit me in the middle of the back. That was the main symptom I had. Like I went to go to the toilet and I could barely, I could barely walk to the toilet. I was fucked. You but went then, out to see it was your brother Brian in the apartment, you mean? See, there was a him to the boot. Yeah, yeah. But no, like that was that was it. And obviously, I, I had a dose of the bit of puke and, and a small bit, a bit dose of the runs as well. So. That was that was all I had, but again, like I had no fe- no fever, no high temperature, none of the symptoms loss that they're saying. Yeah, no, nothing. Didn't lose any of that, but that was all the main symptoms that they were saying. So again, like it lasted for maybe half an hour, and I was I sound again, back to bed, slept away. So I woke up the next day. You'd have naturally thought, oh, it was just a dose I got, and that was it. You know, you wouldn't have thought it was the, the virus. And how did did you get tested then, Johnny? Or did you go to the doctor, or, or how do you know you came down with it? So I uh, I uh, was in contact with someone who got test positive. So obviously, as soon as I knew that, I was in quarantine anyway, and uh, I went and got tested. And when I got tested, then waited for the results. So like I wasn't out, but it was in the midst of getting tested. I actually, I actually believe it or not, the week before I got diagnosed with strep throat. 
So that's why I got diagnosed the week before and I got the whole test done and it was all grand. Only I got tested positive for strep throat. But then in the midst of all that, after that, I was in contact with someone else that was positive. So then I would go back, get tested again. You can name Lou Kelly. It's okay. You can name Lou. You can blame him. We all yeah, I, think Luke, I think Lou Kelly came up to Woodland and gave about 100 yeah. people the virus. Lucas mentioned on all the podcasts anyway, so subscribe. He was like a, a muck spreader around McLean. <laughs> uh, Johnny, um, <laughs> uh, would you have been in contact with New York lads then, uh, the football team? Are we shut down by then? Or? So we were due to play Salt Hill on the 14th of March. And like maybe two, three days previous to that, but the shutdown of GA came, so we stopped all trainings, well, collective trainings, so we were putting up on the WhatsApp groups, just workouts, trainings, runs, etc. and lads were checking into me then with uh, text messages if they'd done, let's say, they'd have a tracker or app or whatever, and they'd send on their, their mileage and stuff, so that's the way we took it at the start, and that's the way we're doing it at the minute, because we're told that the match is off in May, but we believe it's postponed, like, we don't know what is actually happening, so we have to take it that... We're going to be playing at some stage, be it June, July. We don't know. Now there's talks there might be a knockout championship. We don't know. But again, we have to kind of prepare as best we can that we're going to be playing. Like, there's no point just forgetting about the whole lot. So, yeah, there's lads. I think some guys, if they live together, there's a few guys, housemates, whatever. They're doing sessions together in the house, going out for runs on their own. Obviously, like, there's no, there's no big groups meeting up or any of that. But that's the only thing we can do for now. And just, I just wanted to know, were, were, would all of them have to have got tested for the virus, Johnny, that they came in contact with you, or was that? Well, when I when I got tested positive for that, I the train had stopped for had had been stopped for two weeks, so I wasn't in contact okay. with anyone. So I don't believe they did, but I I do believe some some like players, girlfriends, or people they they were in contact with picked it up, and I think a lot of the players did have to go get tested. Now, who was positive or negative, I don't know. But I know a lot did have to go get tested. What does the test consist of, Johnny? They saw the cotton bud like a like a biro. They up up your nose. But I I reckon they touch your brain or go so far up. But Jeez. just go straight up, straight up. It's not that nice, but like it's maybe five six seconds straight up and they pull down. That's it. Ugh. That explains why. That explains why Trump didn't mind it because obviously he doesn't have a brain, Michael. You know what I mean? So when they stuck it all the way up there. It was nothing to touch. Like, that kind of explains oh. a lot. It does look super uncomfortable, but I've seen it. Johnny, did you go to the drive-through place up in New Rochelle? Did you? Up, did you do up in like New Rochelle, that? yeah. Who'd have thought we'd been doing drive-through tests against Swab? Like, jeez, it was amazing I, I how they set it up real quick. They were brilliant. They oh, were look, all it, up there it was a great. Set- it was a great setup up there. It's like a big roundabout. You could say you come in one way, go around. Then there's maybe six or seven tenths across the way and you just drive through the one they tell you and out again that's it no what window they, down or nothing and what do they do do they take your name and give you a number and how do you get the results then how does it work yeah so yeah 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 when i went up i was lucky enough i had no appointment but i got i got through they let me through because a lot of people were turned away or some people got through whatever but i got through anyway so i had to write my name on a piece of paper along with my number and put it at the window and have my ID beside it. So they took down your details that way. And then uh, t- literally 24 hours later, it was up online. So you can actually check it online. They give you a piece of paper in your windscreen. And in the back of it, it was like a step-by-step st- or step-by-step way of checking online your result. So you had it within like 24, 48 hours. You were able to check it. Yeah, so I got the got the test done and by the following day, it was up online. No, I, I didn't get the phone call to say you had it. Because they were right. they were trying to say when you had it, but I didn't get the phone call to say you had it by then. But you could check online, so obviously I checked online, and sure enough, I had the fucking thing. It's not a nice thing to check up and find. But your symptoms had nearly passed by then, Jonathan. You'd had the rough night, and then the test came out. How long was he in between you having it? As in, you nearly got the result after you had passed through you. No. Yeah, I believe so. I I, I believe I yeah. had the whole whole lot gotten done. But again, like obviously. I stayed, I stayed in, like I've been in probably inside between the strep throat and the sh- job shutting down and working from home, I'm probably inside the last three and a half weeks and if anyone that knows me, I absolutely hate inside sitting down. Even in a bar, he never does it, he never does it in a bar, he sits outside, bring it Just outside. walk around everywhere. He's a, beer, he's a beer garden man, he's a beer garden man. <laughs> I was telling Johnny and Connell today that um, the last couple of months I've been working at home and the only time I was getting out was going into the long haul to do a recording, so... <laughs> <laughs> 
So it's been pretty uh, eerie been in there today. I was in there today. Um, Sophie and Brian, uh, Johnny's Jonathan's brother, they were doing a collection from all the building sites and all. They were doing this great thing around. So anyone that has any stuff can drop it off at the Irish Centre or anything, whether it be the, the hand sanitizers, anything, anything. We had regulars that actually seen it on Facebook and went out and bought stuff and just dropped it in, just one bottle and just just one pack of gloves and everything. It was brilliant, like great to see. But it was pretty eerie been in around the city and in the long hall there and the place to be just bordered up and empty. It's like Hurricane Katrina or something came through the place or something. Yeah. But anyway, could be worse. Johnny, um, had you a plan on going home this year at all for to play hurling, or what, what's your story, or and has this affected your? Well, to be honest, I was kind of we're kind of letting that ship sail because like between visas, now I'm on the process to get my green card. So like between leaving the country and getting back in, it'd be a bit of a hassle. So I was kind of happy enough to say, you know, I've that that chapter done, but. Sure, look at you. Never know what's going to happen down the line. Sure, again, like if 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 things were to go, be like this for six to nine months, there might even be a championship yeah. at home. You don't know. Like oh. like even we're speaking there about guys going home, and you're on about the the New York. There was a lot of guys here on music visas. Well, in the panel, maybe seven or eight guys, and they're here a couple of months, and I, I believe users shut down or their visas they're they contacting. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I heard that. I think yeah. the, the, the visa crowds that contacted them who had J1 visas for the year or graduate visas, they all had to go home. So I don't think they went home on their own accord. I think they were told they had to go home. Wow. So like there was, there was maybe four or five lads on the panel that that happened to. Now, I think they might be able to come back if it closed down soon or not. I'm not 100% sure, but like it's, it's, it's very unknown, as I said at the start, you know. Paulie, what's your uh, anticipation, do you think, with the championship this year with the hurling? You, obviously, you were with Hoboken going for three in a row. Is it the same thing? You'd be just hoping or just play it by ear? You can't see? See, this, the hurling over here is a very short window. Like So, usually it would go from June, like middle of June or start of June till about the middle of August. And that's your championship in the, in the hurling, you know? So. so, you could easily move that from to September to October is easy? Or, obviously, it's not ideal. It's not ideal, like, but it's, the summer has always been the hurling, the hurling three months or whatever, you know. And, like, you usually start training around March or April. But, again, anything you do now, any player does has to be on their own or on their own accord, doing their own run and whatever. And there's a couple of lads in your team there that they're better off on their own anyway. I wouldn't have been cursing too many people if you're running around with Eamon Glenn. Just leave Eamon and Podge on their own. Just leave Eamon and Podge on their own. Them two, them two are the virus. I think they could be the virus, them pair of fuckers. Haven't seen them now. I guess you've got to check check in and see where them pair of fuckers are. Yeah, but, but I, know, I guess we'll wait and see how things go with the hurling over here. Yeah, it'd be a shame. You've had because you've had two great years, obviously very successful in the last two years, especially last year when you might not have been expected to. And it'd be nice to keep it going. And it is a great buzz for lads. Like you know, I mean, that's the other aspect of here. I get like you know, everyone's doing the quarantine and everything's right. But I know this is probably trivial in some senses, but. They live for these things, you know what I mean? To get out in the summer, like people, these apartments are not meant for quarantine. Like they're not like, you know, gardens, houses and all that type of stuff. It's so much more difficult on the mental aspect of this continued into the, like into the good weather and the long evenings and stuff like that. It'd be a bit scary for people in that respect. That's where like, we're all doing the right thing. But like, just for people at home that might be listening to this, we're not in the full lockdown, like in comparison to our home. Like I was in the city today it's a, everyone sort of self-quarantined themselves. They're doing the right thing. But if you're in walking around the city now, nobody's sending you home. Like, But if that does come in here, which I personally think it should, but unless the whole country's doing it, what's the point? Then it'll be a lot harder mentally for people. And especially for the likes of us, like I'm similar to you, Jonathan, and all of us. I've been doing this since the 15th. I was, today was my first day in the city since the 15th. So if a, quarantine, if a, if a total lockdown come in next week, I'd be nearly regretting that I did what I did for two weeks. Well, I wouldn't because I felt it was the right thing to do. But then if I end up being in for six weeks, like in an apartment in New York, just the idea of them not having football or not having hurling, even in New York, eventually at the end, again, back to what Jonathan said earlier, if you could just give us a day, give, I'm not blaming anyone, but I'm saying just even if we knew something, you'd have something to strive towards. Like it'd be a much more ideal, like, you know. And it's a bit easier being kind of in the winter months like if this if this thing goes on in the summer like people want to get out the heat aside like as you said the ga it's great to get out there and get involved with a team and somewhere to go if you're locked in for the summer it's going to be very very hard disaster 
Yeah, but sure, even like the when you get to see it as like myself and Paul play with Hoboken together, and to be honest, outside of the hurling, we mightn't see each other a year and you're out, and we'd be we'd be good old friends, you know. But Jesus, like, Johnny, it's a way you get to see lads. Johnny, how many f- teams do you have? <laughs> <laughs> Johnny done a double last year. He's leaving that out. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, Johnny yeah. done the doubles. Sligo, Sligo and Hoboken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Myself and Dogsy were wrestling in midfield there. In the uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't do too well. Yeah, Johnny just said, <laughs> "Hello, into the sideline." I went. <laughs> <laughs> but even there, I see um, like the failure teams out here. The under fourteen boys football and hurling anyway. That not that I'd be involved in, but I just know a few of the families that are involved, and I know about it. Like that was obviously cancelled, and it was a big thing for the children for the development of the GEA over here because like it's the first time you're not with your mother or father. You're going to go away to Ireland on a trip to play GEA for New York, and now that's cancelled this year. So that like there's a group of twenty four hurlers and 24 footballers and now they're going to lose out in that because of the virus you know so it's the little things like that that's that's affecting you know over here like it's affecting especially the GA let's say the development of Everton because like when you see for example uh, Fintan uh, a young lad I know there he made the hurling and he put awful effort in to make it and it was his first time ever being part of a team that like was maybe 90 kids going for at the start and now he's after being told look at it, it's cancelled Sure, like it's very disheartening for like a, a child like that, you know. So uh, I don't know what's would lads. Would you have a lot of uh, sanctions for the hurling, Polly? Uh, for the hurling for over the summer with Hoboken, do, do you have the same as the football that you can have four sanctions coming in from three, right? Three. So it, it, the format has evolved a lot over the years. Like so, last last two years, I think it was three uh, three summer sanctions. You call them or three. 30 day sanctions. Um, when I came first, I think I think it was a 13 aside. I came to New York first, a 13 aside format. It was six uh, summer sanctions, two weekenders, and then you had five home base, which was a which was a tough thing for home base people, you know, because they're all of a sudden I think it was, you count eight people come in, and, and they, they from Ireland they take the spot from the team, and then. You might have about five or six of your home base guys that, are, that have been living here for years on the bench. But as the years went by, and, and the way the format is, as of the last two years, I think it's probably the best way, the best setup I've seen. You know, because yeah. you're 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 a club with the people that are living here, and people that have moved out here, they've realised, you know, years ago that they're never going to play with their home clubs in Ireland again, and this becomes their their home club here. So it means a lot to people, and it's their one outlet to, to still play GA, and they, they realise that. You know they can win something here, whereas they might never get to play with their their club mates they grew up with back home. So this becomes a new new team or a new community. You know. Yeah, I'm just wondering will will the the, the club games go ahead because as as we said that the users are gone bust at home. You've got J1 sanctions that aren't probably going to come over, so you're probably going to have no sanctions at all in New York either way. Even if it, there is, that is very possible. Yeah, I guess we'll we'll play it by ear and see what happens. Yeah. And, but it, that is something that. You know, a lot, a lot of Irish people would be nervous enough to come over now as well, even yeah, if they had the option yeah. to, you know, whereas the previous summers it was very, I guess, very enticing or, or very very attractive thing to do for, for three months and, and enjoy it, you know. But now, who knows how people are going to think about, about travelling and everyone's going to be sceptical about it for a while, you know. So we'll wait and see what happens in play by year, you know. Well, it was actually set to be a brilliant championship this year too because there was actually maybe the first time in how many years, Paul, that there was five senior teams. I don't think I ever saw five senior teams in my ten years here. It was four was the most. Yeah. Yeah. So like it was set to be a great championship, but hopefully something might go ahead. Even if it's a home based championship, I still think. Well, I know Hoboken. I know we'd be fine with, with numbers for home base, but you'd be hoping something will go ahead. And Johnny, how how are you getting on with uh, New York this year? It's your first year as being a selector, and it was a new setup. Um, how were things going up until this point? Obviously, you you don't get to play games because there's no one to play. But uh, how how were you finding the the experience? Well, he'd be undefeated by the end of May. There's not many New York managers have done that. Like you know what I mean? So you're not a winner, Johnny. <laughs> I think I think the setup that's there this year, uh, obviously the manager was Jerry Fox, but he brought in selectors, uh, myself, Brian Henry, Sean Kelly, Johnny McGinney, Dermot York and Cormac McCormack. And I think it was a good mix of people between, of all aspects, that we put together a plan and 
all the players are up there bought into it like we try to we're trying we're trying to focus on developing a lot of the american born players that are here so i think we had like 15 players that were american born on the panel which you wouldn't have seen before mixed with the irish lads now obviously you'd be trying your best to do as best you could the first weekend of may against Galway. but again like we're thinking we're going to be in the job for three or four years so we want to build the same panel that they're there this year are going to be there in four years time and that includes like personally i think like that has to go with the american american born player to be here in four years time you know what i'm saying because you're always going to have the irish lads coming and going but if you have a base of 15 16 good lads that are always going to be here you can always add to that so that was the approach we went in i think lads bought into it like a lot of guys that were maybe sick of the way things were done the last couple of years a few of the older lads had walked away they all came back in and we had a good old setup and it was a good old thing going well it still is like it's i'm, I'm speaking as if it's past tense like it's still a good setup it's still going like as i said like our our goal hasn't changed the goal is still the same to develop a, a home-based team that's going to be the considered a county team the same team every year bear maybe three or four new lads like it will be at a county setup at home so that was what the what our plan was coming in this year. I think we've achieved it at the minute. But again, until we see what happens, we don't actually know. And you were supposed to play Salt Hill, was it, in a challenge game? Yeah, so we're supposed to play Salt Hill on the 14th of March. And then we're supposed to play Newtown Blues on the first week in April. So that would have been like two challenge games that you'd have got where other years you'd have never got them coming into the first round of the Connacht Championship. But look at obviously this fire has happened that, that, that got cancelled obviously the Newtown Blues game which is supposed to happen this coming week obviously that's going to be not going to happen so it's just one of these things you just have to pick it up and get on with it whatever way you can Just Johnny because you've been involved in, in the New York setup the last couple of years it is very hard when you're training for one game and you can't play any team really and you know, as any, as anyone who's played sport does that you, you it's very hard to prepare for just one game without playing any type of challenge game, any type of competitive game leading up to it. And I suppose that, 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 that's a huge, it's a huge disadvantage New York have every year. Oh, I'm sure that's, I don't know if you heard it, I was, I was on off the ball there a few months ago. And, we, heard, uh, we heard that all right, Johnny, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> but that was, that was the, the biggest thing I was trying to get across. Like the players that are here are phenomenal. Like they're, if they were at home in Ireland, like there's a couple of guys there, Mikey Brosnan, Kevin Lone, Peter Cronin, Dylan Curran, like these young lads are all American based. If they were at a team at home, like I'd have absolutely no doubt that they'd be on a county setup, be it under twenty one level senior, and and that's that's not me talking out my arse. That's that's a fact. Like what I've seen there with young lads, like you've a, you've about you've young lads from Shannon Gales there, uh, the Matter Brothers. There's maybe six lads in it, but like there's three of them in in with us at the minute, and no joke if they were at home under 21 set up they'd be on it simple as you know like so the talent is there you know it's That's just trying to build build that platform so it's the same p- team every year so the way i'd see it is fair enough there might be a 12 months in between but you're still getting the practice with the same team to develop to bring it on and bring it on and bring it on you know yeah Tiernan there one of the brothers he was on the panel last year i think he came on that day as well johnny but he's a fine player Tiernan uh, matters yeah so and you're involved with the, the, the underage. Anyway, tell us what, you were over at the World Games last year. What's your involvement with the development squads in the, the past so, couple of years? So, well, I was, um, I was over at the World Games for the Irish-born Irish hurling team. Uh, uh, Alan Gleeson and Mickey Maher were over it and Benny, Benny Moore. So, like, they picked a panel. They asked, would, it, would I come over? I said I would. But then I didn't really do an awful lot now, to be honest, with the development hurling team. It was just on the day of the matches, Mickey... Quig and uh, Michael Kennedy asked me would I come on the sideline to help them out so that was kind of how I was there so like I didn't really know a lot of the young lads before then but since then I've got to know them all and like that like I, I, I had a whole lot of involvement and development going back the way but going forward I'd like to try and help out you know Did you train with uh, did you train that uh, Annie Moore's uh, Johnny was that the, the Camogie team was it the girls did you have yeah, them this so, year no? yeah and myself and uh, Tommy Brett lad from Sligo we we trained a team called Annie Moore, so they're only together a couple of years, and there was only maybe four girls, four or five they're girls. They were all-American born girls, weren't they? They played it. I had never yeah, played the, it before. The, Even the Irish ones hadn't really played much before. Like, yeah, so there was only there was only four four girls actually that had played camogie before 
the, the Andy Moores were set up and uh, we actually went and won the North Americas this year in uh, or Virginia, last year sorry 2019 not 2020 but again a good crack great bunch of girls we actually were due to come down to the long haul some weekend and yeah. win down the cup but again, they're the girls that you kind of, they're the people that like the buzz they got out of that now and they're buzzing to go again this year. You hope that they don't lose something in between. Now it's not like there's other sports going on. It's just like the world has stopped. Like, so it's trying to keep them interested for next year to build that for them. It's great for them. Like, and hopefully they do, you know, they all stick around for it. It'd be brilliant. Well, in fairness, they have a WhatsApp group there. Uh, I'm on it. Not that I'd be doing much writing on it or that, but they're still fairly keen to be getting balls up and rolling, rolling and stuff. So, like, it's a good sign. Like, they're all interested. They're all a bunch of girls, you know. Yeah, the women are just just as committed over here. I know Laura, my wife, she's been training on O'Donovan Rossa and Shannon Gales, I think. But she was doing she was training them here last Saturday in the front room. There was they did a Zoom session, and she was training them. There was six or seven of them on the Zoom session. So like, there's like there is there's great commitment and great drive here from men and women like of all ages Johnny have you any thoughts on um, one thing we uh, that came up with Pat O'Sullivan last week was um, he thought like we're getting to the into the crux of the matter of New York not having a competitive game before they go into the Connacht Championship Pat had the idea and I, it's been thrown about before but to have an All-American Championship like say from Christmas to March and the winners of that American Championship then would represent America going into the Connacht Championship, and then you'd have three or four games. You'd have, you'd have name fellas, lads' names in the paper. You'd get a bit of you. You get a bit of exposure. You might get more backing from people in New York. Did you ever ever consider that or so talk to anyone about that? that, that I, I actually meant it. I was going to ask you when he was referring to an All American Championship. Was he referring to like Boston? Yeah, San Fran. So like. I don't know the ins and outs, but I know they're a separate identity. They are, yeah, in yeah. New York. Yeah, but he, he knows, yeah, so, yeah, he know, yeah, yeah. So, they, so people who don't know, as, as you might explain as well, Johnny, you might know more than, more than me, but New York are a county of themselves and they're part of the Connacht Championship. So they have a right every year to be in that Connacht Championship. And that's one thing that they'd have to give, give up that right to be in the Connacht Championship every year if they okay. were to go and do um, a North American Championship. But uh, would I be right in oh, saying that, Johnny? I th- oh, without, I putting so, Johnny yeah, so. on, without putting Johnny Glenn on the spot there for saying that, but like, from an outsider, why would New York give that up? Like, like I can see what Pat's point is there, but why would New York give that up? Now, at the same time, why not have a championship between them aside from that? You know what I mean? Like, New York fought hard to get it, and they've had it X amount of years and whatever. And fought, I can see why they wouldn't give it up. Now, that's just me without Johnny having to be put on the spot to say that, but definitely why not play each other anyway as aside from that on some sort of a championship as well stuff like that oh definitely if if there was some way of doing it even like I'd always before if you if you could get the 30 of the best players even if it was across America but it'd be very hard to do it in my eyes you know like it'd be very hard to have a North American championship that would in my in my eyes that would mean like I know a lot of teams in Boston they bring out an awful lot of players from Ireland to play and same in San Fran and stuff like in my eyes you'd have to scrap all that and you'd have to have to have a home based championships and that's the only way you could pick the 30 best players because obviously like in Boston the 30 best players could be fucking lads living back in Galway or Dublin or Kilkenny coming out for the summers you know what I mean see in, in New York it's different we have a lot bigger home base I do believe like I think there's like 45 senior adult teams between the Camogie football women's football you know and I don't, and like there is a, a big home base here, so that's why I, I, I couldn't see the North American Championship working that way. It'd be great if it did, and I'd be definitely on for it, but I don't know what it worked that way, you know. But again, I might be wrong. I, I'm only assuming things here. I might, I might be, be wrong. wrong. What do you think the possibility? I'm just, sorry, Paul, go on. I have to apologise, lads. No, I have to. I have another thing to get on to there, so I might have to leave. That's all right. Yeah, go for it, yeah. All right. Sorry, no. Are you going on one of Michael's wife's uh, training things in the living room? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't say that. <laughs> Actually, Michael, you've been on a few of them yourself. A few one-to-one trainings. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, she, she, she's been dragging me out every morning here to get <laughs> to get video content. And I'm up I'm, all week I'm trying to do videos for the podcast, you know, to get short clips and put them out. And then I get in the bed around two o'clock, and then she's bringing me out at seven o'clock in the mo- half six in the morning, running up the road. I'm, I'm shattered. 
I'd love someone to get a video of you videoing her. I want to see you running up doing these videos. I'd love to see that. That's, there's a documentary there, and the person that's following these cameramen don't get enough credit. Uh, like, for the views uh, lads, they put up with, like. lads, if you we'll get Laura on sometime, Johnny. But um, I, I don't know if you know Johnny Glenn, but we did a photo there over the summer. Laura did a picture up, and the Joker steps up in the Bronx. Oh, I see that. I actually, I read it. Yeah, I see and lads, if he if he were with us for the half an hour before that, he would have said these 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 this couple Killing is like John, they're like <laughs> they're like John and Mary from Father Ted. We were absolutely we were killing each other because people were up the steps and then you you wanted to get a shot where you couldn't see the people at the back. We were killing each other and it was actually the very last shot. And I was into the Joker. She didn't want to go up at all. And then at the end, she said, do you want to take a picture? And I was so pissed off. I was so up to here with the, the stress of doing it that I just, I just walked off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jonathan, what's the chances of that uh, backdoor game happening? Or I know, like, you know, but even anticipating wise, like, cause I think that'd be just, that to me would be the, that's the one that I think which would be the game changer for New York to be able to get that going forward. Like, you know, the goals are going awesome. home. People would travel like the way people travel nowadays. They go home for the opening of a letterbox. Imagine going home, yeah. everyone going home, supporting New York, playing like a game anywhere, whatever it be. It'd be amazing. Like Jesus, we'd all jump on that for the crack. Oh, to be to be unreal, sure. Like, again, that's Johnny. Johnny, that... before you start that, we just explained that situation there about the back door for people in case they don't know and what and what you were pushing for as uh, as a county. Okay, so basically, like the way the tier two was done. Obviously, it was teared out, but um, the reason we we wanted to get back, we wanted to get into it, was because we wanted to be able to play the likes of the obviously the the bottom division, play the likes of a Wicklow, Leitrim's, you know, teams like this that we'd feel we'd have no problem in in taking on, you know, and it, the fact that it was the first year that the tier two was coming in, we we felt sure why not be the the best time to join it was when it starts, you know, yeah, and, absolutely. And and because it's so uncertain, by the way, like so, a lot of people in Ireland are for it, but there's an awful lot of people in Ireland against it. So, like the fact that it was so uncertain that if it was only going to be one year, it mightn't go to two years. Like we wanted to be in there for that one year, you know. But I, I don't think it was dead in the water as such. But with this virus now, she don't know what's going to happen. But like the fact that Larry McCarthy got voted in for GA president, like. We would be hoping it could help help our case a bit, like you know, because he understand. Like in fairness to Larry, he's involved with Sligo there, and he does fucking great work with Sligo, and he's 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 a mighty he's a mighty man, like with mm. stuff. Like if there's a guy who's going to fight your corner, if he believes in it, that's the man who's going to fight your corner for you. And like being any any walk, like you know, if he believes in something and he thinks it's the right thing to do, he'll he'll fight it. Like and I do believe he'd be in the same same wavelength as myself about wanting that, you know. And so, so just explained. So they they re um they restructured restructured the championship this year, and New York were never able to go in the back door like London can. Are London able to go in the back door there? Yeah, yeah, they are. So and New York have never had that option. I, to be honest, again, the, regarding the politics of it, I don't know. Yeah. I'd say it was a lot to do with lads. The time of when it was, I spoke to Monty Maloney about it before, and it was kind of done as it, okay, it'll be the one game, and that'll be it. But a lot of it back then was emigration. It was an emigration. It was a price factor. It was everything. All them things, in my opinion, have gone out the window. Like, you know what I mean? There's very few people, if any, that are involved, that, like in anything that just don't have their papers anymore. That's That day is nearly done. So, and the financial aspect of it, you know, as we've hit on before, there's, there's no problem with the financial. And people would pay for themselves to go on that. The idea of going to play a game whether it be in Mullingar or, you know, in Wicklow or whatever, Wexford. Can you imagine it? It would be amazing. The, the expense wouldn't be the issue. Or what it wouldn't do for the game. Like, she, Crow Parker, like, saying about, like, developing the game and the board in the, the Bronx or, you know, and you've said, Johnny, there, but all the American kids that are involved. What better way to do it? Having these kids going over to Ireland and playing? Because maybe I'm wrong on this now, but I'd say, I'm assuming the London team is 99% lads that have literally come over from home that are living in London. I don't know how many homegrown. It wouldn't be the same as here. I'm sure maybe I could be wrong in saying that, like they play in the league. They're definitely... There's no wow factor for them to do, but the other way around to do it would be amazing. Like. No, definitely. 100%. Like, like you have, you have, like, so you, you spoke about him, Michael, uh, Tierney Matters there, like, that we believe he's a great player, like 100% of his 
team at home, he'd be perfect. But like, sure, likes to him. Imagine giving him the opportunity to do that. So imagine, imagine like seeing like even for his parents to be able to see him wearing a New York jersey back in Ireland playing an intercounty senior championship. Like they're both obviously his parents are Irish, have are, are Irish have Irish connections, all that. Sure, like imagine that you know their son being an American-born power player playing in the senior intercounty championship in Ireland. Sure, it'd be phenomenal. Yeah, so the amount of parents that come over, Jonathan, even your dad come over there when you were in there, when you played, um, he was up in Gaelic Park there a few years ago. Ross Common. Like stuff yeah. like that. And then for the parents that might be able to travel or stuff like that, their son coming home and playing. And as you said, oh. the Irish-American kid, for his parents, the, 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 the pride that they get that they're bringing their son home oh, to show. Amazing. And isn't that what the whole thing is about showcasing the game and selling it around the world? I, to me, it's Jesus. I think they should embrace it. It's a no-brainer. I think it'd be amazing to do it, and there's nothing to stop it. Like, but as you oh, said, like... uh, I think immigration was a problem the last couple of years. But as you can see, I think there was five or six homegrown players on the panel last year, and Johnny is saying that there's about fifteen of them this yeah. year. So even if you had a couple of lads who couldn't travel home, at least you'd get fellas that you. At least you could put it. You could feel. But the that's team what I mean. I think I mean. by using the immigration, oh, it's just kind of. A, I'm not saying it's a cop yeah. out in there, but just saying, oh, people can't travel. Come back with something better than that. You can't just give us that one. The lads can't travel. Surely you leave that up to the team themselves. Like you know, if people can't travel, they can't. Yeah. You know, Arsenal didn't stop playing in Europe because Dennis Bergkamp didn't want to fly. Like Jesus, we can't come. Dennis can't fly. Good luck. Like, come on, <laughs> give us a fucking break. Like give us a new, give us a new excuse. Like yeah. It was... So Johnny, exactly, if, yeah. if if nothing had happened this year, Johnny Glynn, um, so you weren't going to be in, or we were all New Yorkers. Yeah. So New York wouldn't have been in. Um, uh, back door this year so how was it so to be honest it wasn't dead in the water so there was I'm not sure I think it was supposed to be the 28th of March where there was going to be a meeting and that's when we would have found out and the feedback we were getting obviously you're not that you're canvassing but you're trying to see what's on the ground back in Ireland or what's going to happen and just so you'd like to have an idea and like there was an awful lot of people back there that were for it so obviously I'm guessing it would have went to a vote or I, I again when it comes to politics side of things, I don't know the ins and outs, but there was still a chance. As a couple of weeks ago, there was but still the a chance. The reality is, Jonathan, and it came very close, obviously, of two of the previous years and stuff like that. New York are going to win one of these games, you know, and yeah. what what's the difference? Like, what, what is the, the, it's the difference? You're bringing a team over. If you, you know, if they beat Leitrim there two years ago, they were heading over to play to whatever a month later. Is it who's footing the bill for it? Yeah. Is this is what I, obviously a lot of this is what it comes down to. Who's going to pay for New York one of these years when they win? Like, yeah, are, are the other teams not coming over? You know, they're not going to lose the home advantage. Yeah. How does that work? Like, is is that the concern? Is it like you know? But like, at least put it out there. Tell us, yeah. tell us it's a financial thing. Let them raise the money. Let them do their own thing. Because New York are not looking. I, well, I certainly know all of you guys. Are, you're not looking for a handout to go. You'd pay it for your own back, off your own back, just to go and to do it for the experience. Now, maybe that's just not logistic. Oh, it might help me saying that you pay everyone to pay for it themselves. But it's going to happen. They've, they've, they've set it up to happen. It'll happen someday. Hopefully this year. <laughs> but sure. Like in 2016, when we played Roscommon, we lost yeah. by a point. And Mike, Michael, you touched on it there earlier about, let's say, not having the games coming in. Like, if we had one game, be it against anybody, be it against fucking Sligo New York team together, we'd have, bet, we'd have bet Ross Common that day. The problem was we didn't know how to win. We didn't know how to finish out a game. And that was it. That was solely it because, like, we were all over them. We were beating them. We were all over them. And then they got the, they got the point won the match by a pint. But like if we knew, if we had any bit of experience at all, we'd have won that game, no doubt, 100%. And that's why I think uh, a championship would be great because like, say if, if he were to get in the back door, Johnny, or you had to go home for a game, you either won it or you lost went back. There would be a big scramble length to get funds. You'd probably have three or four weeks to get funds together to, to put a team back. But whereas... If you were training and playing games since Christmas, say you're after playing a Chicago, a San Fran, there's fellas there in the city, everyone's talking about it, everyone knows about the players, the player could be working with you, the boss of that player might say, geez, I might get involved here. I think it's a great revenue generator as well. Once, once yeah, Because true, yeah. like if you if you were playing now in four weeks' time, I haven't got it. 
I wouldn't have a clue who's played only def- bar only bar the fellas that I would have known to have played with last year kind of thing. So like it's it's a new yeah. team every year and you don't get a chance to familiarise yourself with the team and then to build up a following of a team. Now I could be wrong, but that's my that would be my take and it's definitely something I think should be kind of explored to some to some degree. No, when you when you come at it at that angle, it's definitely would make sense. Yeah. You know, hundred percent would make sense. But even there, like so Johnny, you're there in the long haul. Like if you heard there was a team going home and there was a fundraising oh, going somebody came in Exactly, yeah. sure. You'd, you'd hop yeah. on it like no more yeah. than oh, you would. Any, any business. I know my bosses would uh, as well. The idea you know. of the exposure for it would be great. But that's again to obviously this is all uh, virus related as well. What he's had set up this year, like I met the lads from Salt Hill when they came over scouting for the hotels, and they were buzzing about it. And to even have that, you're going to have that game and the other game of the team that we can't remember. We're just going to make up their name. But anyway, but like to have that. Newtown, Newtown Blues. <laughs> they sound like a bleeding band of it having the long haul. I was just going to say that they sound like a, they sound like a jazz sure they, band. Are you sure they weren't the band that were playing the night of the Salt Hill game? No, were they not supposed to play in the game? I think they came in the band. But, but look, can you imagine like even the buzz of that? What, as you said, Jonathan, what you'd have even learned in that 70 minutes, even against Salt Hill. And you had been so up yeah. for that. And I'm not just saying that. The few of the guys that were in with Salt Hill, they were like so adamant. Like, as one of the lads was like, oh, they'd probably be out that night. And the other guys goes, they wouldn't their arse be out that night. He says, they can do what they like after the 14th. And the whole thing was planned. They were going to Rory Dolan's. They had a great time spent. And even for them, it was going to be great. That's, again, I've always felt my thing beef with the kind of the Connacht game is, Michael and I have spoke about this a few times, it's nearly like it's just a gala, it's a carnival, like it's, you know, this is the curtain raiser. And when it ends that night, it's nearly like we clock the gates and go back out. Like, you know what I mean? It's like bleeding. It's like Rod yeah. Laver or something or like a tennis thing. It just closes for the year then. But it literally, it's a 24 hour period in New York. And it's some fair. And, and, and the media home now have actually been doing a bit of effort and putting stuff into it and trying to build it up with Mayo last year and stuff like that. So the opportunity is there. Like, geez, to bring it home. It'd be amazing. Oh, big time. Big time. Well, hopefully you get it. Big time. But even even the GA at home, like, imagine having a New York team. Like, they're on about the progression of GA in general. Like, imagine having a New York team yeah. Yeah. playing championship home. So you're you're 3,000 miles away playing a championship. Yeah. Do you know? But when you look at the likes of, like, you know, Mike Carty there and Frankie Dwyer and all these lads, and these lads, the money that they've put into the, the their passion for it over the year. Like, Mike Carty's in Leitrim. Like, you know what I mean? It's not like he was... A powerhouse county that you know and he's, he would like i'm telling you, mike carty would pay for it himself like he'd have such a buzz these lads their home has been for 50 years as new york they're from these counties but this is their home the, the, the pride that they'd get now to see it and even there mike you can you imagine larry Tompkins seeing a new york team coming home to play in ireland you're telling me larry Tompkins now wouldn't be running up to go and watch this new york team after his affiliation with new york and how good it was to him in the 80s and playing in Gaelic Park and everything, and he'd want to see the progression. And now he gets to see them playing in Ireland against somebody in a team which he, he uh, love it like. It would get fierce exposure. Johnny would tell you he went home last year with the World Games and it got it great did, coverage. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. like imagine if you had a New York team coming home play, playing championship. You are oh. it would get great exposure. To be unreal, like to be unreal, I, like I I cannot see how anyone would think it's a bad idea. Do you know? Yeah. I just I, I can't see that side of it, no matter what. I think it does go back to, as you said, yeah. we're not going to harp on about it, but it goes back to, like, as we were saying, the immigration thing. And that's just been played out there for a while. But again, I'm 20 years, I'm in 19 years here. And we spoke about this before, Michael, on the podcast, like 10, 15 years ago, it would have been still an issue, you know, the illegal thing. But in the 10 years since, it has so changed. With that graduate visa has yeah. changed that whole thing. That there's no, that lads come and they get their two and three year visa and then they're extending on from that. But also the world is so smaller now, as we see. I think years ago when they were playing these games, we all thought America was the other side of the world. Like, you know what I mean? It was gone. Like, it was nowhere, oh. was it? Yeah, people wrote Bon Voyage letters to lads. I go home now for a long weekend, I would, for a game. Like, and you're back in the same yeah. weekend. Jonathan, you sure. two years ago, they must have got to know you in immigration saying hello to you back and forth. You know, by going, flying <laughs> yeah, doctor, yeah. whatever. You know what I mean? That type of thing. So but, I think all the myths that they sold us for years of why it wasn't, they're just, they're not relevant anymore, lads. Come up with something else. You know, uh, no. the appetite is there yeah. for it. We've proven that even. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not going to be, like, it's not an excuse anymore, number one. But number two, it's either going to happen this year or next year. There's no doubt about it. I'd say now with the virus this year, Johnny, 
even with even if championship goes ahead, I'd say he won't get in. He might not get in because they won't be like, able to facilitate. Sure, the longer the longer it goes on, yeah. the yeah. less chance we have. And so, so, so yeah, so I'd say next year it is going to happen. But my a point that I'm trying to make is that imagine if like that that saw Hill game that you you got would it have been geez if he had it live streamed or it was on Facebook or he had three or four some type of game where the New Yorkers here could you know could follow could read about it yeah. in the paper to really I think it would really it would give you a real springboard then into the Connacht Championship game in May because fellas oh I know I saw him play the last day do you know this fella I see I seen him on the panel do you know people are there's GA people here and they just want a team to follow you know and if you're only playing yeah. once a year you it's not much of a team to follow if if you're only playing once a year yeah no that's 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 true actually yeah it's a fucking very good point it doesn't everything's going to be solved in this podcast Johnny Everything's what? We're going to solve all New York GA and this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck it. Sure, we'll give it a go, anyway. Long Hall will be burnt down at this rate. Yeah, right. fashionably the Daily Park. If it does get burnt down, it won't be too hard to find who did it. I'll just go. It'll be the only thing, going, it'll, it'll be the only thing going on in there, yeah. it's a podcast. <laughs> if it does get burnt down, it's definitely somebody from Kerry. <laughs> And that's all for this week's podcast. Don't forget to check out that highly controversial interview with former Kerry County Board Chairman Pat DeBag O'Sullivan or our chat with five-time All-Ireland winning Dublin footballer Jack McCaffrey. Keep up to date with all of our latest episodes by subscribing to the podcast and we appreciate all feedback. So please give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. And when we got inside the house, the drinks were passed around. The liquor was so awful strong, my head went round and round to me away. You Santi, boy, dear Annie. Oh, you New York girls, can you dance?